0: Because I don't like him. There's reason enough. <laughs> I'm just doing it for fun. It's time for Send In the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the Droid Army of the Evil Separatists! So step in and prepare for adventure, because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, ruthless General Kral continues to send Rex's men into yet more questionable engagements. But Fives, Hardcase, and Jesse won't stand by and see their brother slaughtered, so they take to the skies once again to save the
1: day! Hey, choops, it's your old buddy Bucho on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the drop ship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He is Rex to my fives. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello there. And we're going to talk about the 75th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. And just like every other episode in the Umbara arc, it's written by Matt McNovitz. And this one is directed by Kyle Dunleavy. And it's Season 4, Episode 9, Plan of... Descent. So, Robbie, what did you remember about this episode before you rewatched it again this week?
2: Yeah, uh, just from the sort of s- quick description that it has on, uh, what do you call that iTunes thing? I call it
1: the iTunes thing.
2: Yeah, the iTunes thing.
1: That's the technical term.
2: When I was w- watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, I remember what this is. I, I know that those of you who have watched any series more than once you may not remember exactly how things go down you know that things go down you just don't know exactly when the things happen and with this one i remembered the way that this one was and this is the attack on the supply ship and yeah this episode is just a lot of fun i mean the way that it uh it's almost like uh you know we gotta learn things we gotta <laughs> we gotta try to get around a rule here we what are we gonna do and it's just a it's just a fun episode
1: Yeah, and one of the things that makes it fun, or that makes it compelling at least, is that this one does a really good job of making you feel for and admire both Rex and Fives who are at odds, at least at first. And they have been in the last few episodes, but it really just continues that story. And they both have the strength of their convictions. And they both have their jobs to do, or what they say is their jobs to do. although. What becomes more and more clear through this episode is that Fives is the one who seems 1138% convinced that he's correct, and we can see Rex's doubts coming more and more to the surface. He's fighting those doubts, and we saw the very start of this in the last episode when he clenched his fist, or maybe that wasn't the start of it, but that was when we realized, or that was when I realized where Rex was going to go in this story, and here they just ramped that up even further.
2: It's weird because you know you know they're, they're pulling from Sort of real life experiences Or real life It could be something that Maybe they went through When they were younger You know, these writers Where you're, you've you got somebody That's just so overbearing And so, you know Do it my way I don't care You know what I mean? Sure You just wonder how much of that They're pulling from their own experiences Because it feels very realistic As far as these dynamics, I guess Between, you know, Rex and Fives And the rest of the clones And Krell because Krell just wants his way. And it's just like, okay, how do we do this? And how do we not tick him off so bad that, you know, this... I mean, there, it's just a lot of fun to see them wade through all this.
1: Yeah, and of course, doing most of the kind of wading is Rex because he's got fives pulling one way and he's got Krell and... Well, I mean, not even so much Krell, but his sense of duty to his commander is sort of pulling the other way. And we know that these clone troopers, they are bred to have a tendency towards loyalty and what we've learned from other episodes especially the cutler Queen episode which is one that i keep going back to is that some of them are a little bit less that. i mean we can go all the way back to hit an enemy which was our second episode we ever covered which was season one episode 16 and the second episode in the chronology where we learned that slick was you know some called them defective but from a certain point of view when that defectiveness of loyalty leads to someone like Fives you start thinking yeah no maybe maybe it is a good idea to not be 100% loyal and of course Rex is going the same way. A character that we haven't really talked about yet though Robbie, that's Dogma and he has maybe even an overactive sense of loyalty. How did you like the way that they work this character Dogma through the story and give this conflict yet another element to add to the stew of conflict I guess to, I don't know if that's a good way to put it you know what I'm saying Robbie
2: no I know exactly what you're saying and it's there's so many different sides to every sort of conflict like this you've got the person who's trying to wade between what he knows is right and the orders that he's given you've got the other guy that goes, look, just because I'm being told to do this when it doesn't make sense, I'm not going to risk, I'd rather risk my life doing something crazy yeah. that might work than just certain death. And then you've got the other guy that says, no, 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 we always have to follow orders. There's always this and there's, you know what I mean? Yep. Dogma plays that almost thankless role, you know, where he's, he's almost like Echo. Right. Yeah. You know, Where he's just like, he just... This is the way that I'm gonna how
1: echo was at least at first, right?
2: Yeah Yeah, and it's just this is the way it is. This is our job, whatever It's really kind of fun to see every segment of that conflict. It's pretty good it although, you know The name is a bit on the nose, right? I mean
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure Well speaking of being on the nose Robbie we get yet another tribute to Han Solo in this episode when we have kind of a tribute to the detention center radio communications scene this time of course we have Fives trying to cover for his and hard cases, shenanigans to Krell and I mean super, super fun right I mean just more shenanigans that seem to revolve around these fighters and you know I've always been a sucker for fighters we both we both kind of are but in some ways I keep getting surprised that these references don't Kind of bug me because they uh in a way you could think they were cheap but they never are they're just fun like they're put in these episodes all the way back to the start right with a sense of fun and they just always seem to work for me
2: yeah uh, I've actually been critical of, of other Star Wars media for doing that kind of stuff but for some reason here it doesn't hit me the same way and I think it's because especially with this the way that they did it it's definitely reminiscent of it but it's not so on the nose you know, where it's just like, I don't know. I'm just reminded of the Rogue One with them running into Dr. Evazon and Ponda right. Baba. And it's just like, May right. hey, remember those guys from the canteen? I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's almost like a thoughtless, let's just throw it in because we can't. I don't know. With this, it seemed like it's not so on the nose because it's a very similar situation that, <laughs> that Fives finds himself in. And of course, what I love about it too is you still got... In the background, hard case, flying around, bumping into yeah. things and knocking stuff over. And it's just funny the way that it's done. It doesn't draw attention to it. It's just there as part of the story, which I think is important.
1: And another thing which is not necessarily the same kind of callback, but which I really enjoyed too. And this actually... Goes back to something we talked about quite a long time ago about Rick saying that Anakin had told him that he would never take a Padawan. This is very early. It might even be in the theatrical release itself. I think it is. But I just really like that idea that Anakin and the troops have these conversations, you know, during their downtime and yep. talk a little bit about personal. Things and you know,
2: and past battles,
1: yeah, and past battles and past experiences. And of course, here Fives tells Hardcase and Jesse that Anakin told him about blowing up the droid control ship when he was a kid. And so, we don't ever really have time in this action packed series to have these scenes where. troops are gathered around Anakin, and he's talking about his exploits of the past, or even scenes where, you know, Anakin and Rex are just sitting around waiting to be picked up by a dropship or something and talking about stuff about these sort of suggestions that these conversations go on. For some reason, that's super charming to me, and, you know, it just makes me love the sort of relationship that Anakin has with his troops even more.
2: Yeah, I loved it. And, And it's one of those where, as much as, you know, I mean, Phantom Menace, it's sort of been you know reviled over the years and you know some people have kind of grown to appreciate it and all that kind of stuff i've always been very critical of phantom menace but i've warmed up to it definitely over the years and i found myself almost wishing you know especially toward the end when they're actually flying around i was almost hoping for a i heard spinning was a good trick right you know or something like that you know what i mean i almost wanted another callback but even though we didn't get that I really appreciated this because, like you said, I love the idea of maybe when, you know, the clones first come under the command, you know, and that Anakin is one of those people who would gladly share stories, sure. you know, because he almost enjoys the, the attention. Right. You know, Obi-Wan would be like, oh, no, you know, we'll just, you know, leave it at blah, blah, blah. But Anakin is one of those that would love to share some of those past exploits, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're right. It's one of the it's almost over in a flash, but it it does give you that that idea that, that you know, that they're just sitting around and, you know, hey Anakin, tell or Master Jedi, why don't you tell us about when you did the blah blah blah, you know, or whatever you know what I mean? I love that.
1: Yeah. And what was it like before the Clone Wars? Right. That sort of thing.
2: I mean it's just great stuff. It adds that element of a lived in galaxy. And these people have existed outside of the series i don't know it just it's rich it's rich lore given to this episode
1: well speaking of lore robbie and i mean this is a little bit of a forced segue because it doesn't really work but the word hard case where i come from it has a different meaning than it does in the u.s In the u.s i think is generally used to refer to someone who's kind of tough and unsentimental right would that be about right
2: yeah hard to get through that hard shell you know
1: right yeah so, judging by what we learn from our hard case, the Clone Wars hard case appears to be named for the Kiwi-slash-Aussie version of the phrase. Here, we use it to mean funny. It's either a funny person or a funny thing. Hmm. Because this dude is hilarious, or should I say was hilarious, because old hard case does a heavy up there in that droid control ship, and he takes himself out while saving his brothers.
2: Yeah, that's actually really interesting, because... I actually was kind of thinking that it was kind of funny that you know he's called hard case,
1: but he wears his heart on his sleeve, right? He's the opposite yeah. of the US version, right. but he's that's the Kiwi. That's a word, and I've probably said it on the show. So if I say man, that's hard case, it just means it's funny, and that's how we use it here, and uh, Australia's the same. But it's completely different from your version.
2: It's so funny. It's because I always thought that that's what Krill is. Yeah, you know he's a, he's a hard case, you know. Right. But yeah, I mean it's one of those where even though. I almost felt like it was a manufactured, a super manufactured, almost convenient ending for Hard Case. It still has an impact. It's weird how, I I just feel like, like in a lot of cases, I think people would just look at this and and see his sacrifice as something that you kind of, you know, you almost roll your eyes at it, you know, because it's like, oh, of course, somebody's going to sacrifice himself for the others, but it still means something. For some reason, it's easier to take here. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because we do care about these characters so much, or if it's because, I don't know. I find that very interesting, though, that a lot of these episodes are, as we've talked about many times, there's tropes that are reused from from different movies, different series, things that we've seen in the past. And yet, for some reason, it works so well here. It's almost like I'm, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it as it happens, but I just go with it. And I don't understand why I'm so forgiving of this and not some other, you know, movie that'll come along and that'll try that. It's weird, no?
1: Yeah, it is, but it didn't even feel that contrived for me because as soon as they started flying those ships up and even referencing, you know, The Phantom Menace, we've seen you know small ships fly into bigger ships all the way back to 1977 i mean the trench run you know in a from a certain point of view you know once you're inside that trench you're kind of inside the big ship it's just a thing that happens in star wars where fighters will fly into a bigger ship they'll shoot something they need to shoot and then they'll fly out again and that's what i was expecting and i thought hard case might get shot down or something i wasn't expecting it to go like it did and once the shields came up i sort of thought oh wait i know what's going to happen here but you know, it wasn't until that moment that I sort of realized what was going to happen. And so it didn't feel as, I guess, obligatory or, or, or tropish, I guess, as it could have or, you know, as it might have for other people. So, I, yeah, it just worked for me real nice. And, you know, part of it is that all throughout, you know, the previous episode and this episode, they really build hard case into this character where it's not just that we see what he's doing, but other characters talking about him. You know, as Jesse tells Rex at one point. As they're trying to sort of set up the mission, he says, "Hey, if Hardcase can fly one of those airborne fighters, then anyone can, because Hardcase has this reputation as this sort of loose unit guy that you know everyone loves." And so, by the time he goes out, you know he really means something, just like Heavy did, you know, back in yeah. rookies.
2: And maybe that's part of it—is that it's just like the you know, like I've said, the the callbacks and things, where you know, in some things, you know, you kind of roll your eyes. Oh, of course, they're going to say that. You know, oh, I've got a bad feeling about this. You know what I mean? Sure. But for some reason, here, it just doesn't feel like it. And maybe it's because the story is so well-crafted around it that it doesn't feel as on the nose as some of the others. I don't know. I just, I really appreciate it, you know? I I appreciate the fact that that I can sit here and I can enjoy it. I don't have to sit there and and pick it apart like that, you know what I mean?
1: I do know what you mean, Robbie. And speaking of something being picked apart, how did you like the way Obi-Wan's hologram transmission got picked apart when the signal went down. Is that the best segue you've ever heard, Robbie, or the worst? Probably the worst, right?
2: Uh, it's, it's a pretty good one. It's a good one? awesome oh, sweet. It's a pretty good one, and I did have a note on that.
1: I didn't know where I was going when I started, but yeah, how do you how do you like that uh, Obi-Wan hologram? I guess they're using the Umbaran technology, and that's why they look different, but also there's this sense that the signal's being jammed, so I'm not sure why it looked like it did, but that sort of low-resolution 3D pixelated thing. I just thought that was a uh, sweet imagery and 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 a fun addition to the tech side of the show.
2: Yeah, I there's something about that that I really enjoyed with those boxes. It, it sort of reminded me of, you know, we've had different sort of visualizations of transmissions throughout the show, but I in a weird kind of way it reminded me of the first X-Men movie. Huh. When the weird maps, the way the maps kind of come up and they're they're almost like lines and the lines form buildings okay. or whatever, it's not exactly that way, especially when, you know, there's a standing man there. Right. But there was something really cool about the way that it looked, and I love the transmission sound. The effect that they put on his voice, it just sounded cool. It sounded very technological, but also sort of old. I mean, I can't put my finger on it, but I really did enjoy that. So, yeah, I mean, that was a, it was very welcome to see them use, I guess, Mbaran technology in that way
1: speaking of things that are welcome to see Robbie, let's talk about our favorite shots. What was your favorite shot of plan of descent?
2: Well, I mean, again, many to choose from, but my favorite shot is it's a a shot of fives. He's in the Umbaran fighter. He's flying out of the, uh, the supply ship, the fires behind him. There's something just really striking about that shot. And I don't know if it's because, you know, maybe it's because the, uh, The clone trooper helmet is so iconic. There's something about it, the way it it was lit. I just, it was my favorite shot. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, nope, that's it.
1: Yeah, mine was in the Fighters 2, Robbie, but it's just a real simple one. I really enjoyed the shot where we see the displays kind of reflecting off the helmet. I mean, this is, I guess, uh a... note on how technically advanced the show's become where there's reflections in the fighters helmets and we see it in all of their helmets as they're in these cockpits so i did not even have a specific favorite shot of the episode i guess but i really just was admiring the sophistication they have with the way they're rendering these images now where we see you know there are several shots where we see the displays of the umbaran fighters reflecting back off our heroes helmets and so that was you know my favorite group of shots of the episode Robbie. i don't know if that's cheating or if that's no failing to choose a shot of the episode but that's where i came down at the end of it
2: no it's good and what about that space battle that space battle did look pretty cool too yeah man that was
1: intense as well i mean there's Y wings flying on everywhere there's arc 170s yeah and there's of course these new i mean we haven't really even talked about the design of these umbaran fighters yet do you have a a ranking or a four star Robbie scale of fighter aesthetics where would you put these umbaran ships on that scale
2: I mean, I definitely think they're cool looking. I'd probably give them a, I don't know, two and a half? Because, like, to me, like, when you put them up against some of the, you know, the iconic, you know, the X-Wing, the TIE Fighter, you know, the TIE Interceptor, you know, stuff like that, it's, it's really tough to put that up. But... I've always said that ever since Episode 3 came out, that ARC-170 has been one of my favorites, just because I love the way it sounds, I love the way it moves, I love the way that there's basically that main wing and then there's kind of the the small, almost like ailerons that come out X-wing style from that wing. I love that. I just love the ARC-170 so, so much and I really want an Ultimate Collector Series Lego uh, set on that. Please, thank you. Thank you, Lego
1: put that out there Robbie because I think there might be a life day coming up uh, <laughs> and you know maybe who knows but yeah I think the thing that I liked about these Umbaran ships even more than the you know more than just the aesthetic side of things was how they handled you know the physics of them they're almost more like a helicopter, although I guess helicopters can't tumble upside down like when we saw them in the previous episode, but the big bubble cockpit as well reminded me of those old school, like all the way back into the 50s, that helicopters would have those big bubble cockpits. Yeah. So, you know, these things have awesome visibility for the pilots and... Also, yeah, just the way they do a lot of hovering and the way that they handle just reminds me of helicopters. So that's what I liked about these environments. ships. And speaking of things we liked about things, Robbie, let's wrap up Plan of Descent. Where does this episode sit on that four-star Robbie scale?
2: For me, when this one is not as memorable as the other two. I mean, I think this one is probably going to be like a three and a quarter out of four. I mean, of course, still recommended. This whole arc is insane. But, I mean, if this is the weakest episode in the in the bunch, I mean, I, I think you're still doing pretty well. But I, I really did enjoy it, but it's it's just not quite as good as some of the other ones.
1: Yeah, I've got it up there as another 9, Robbie, I think, partly because of how it ramps up the pressure on Rex and we see Rex making the turn was something that I, I, that really stuck with me about this episode and just also the way that they... Ramped up, Hardcase and Fives' as characters, and Jesse of course along for the ride, but especially Hardcase. You know, it just has become. <laughs> you know, it's a, unfortunately, he won't be going forward with us in the series, but he's going to be one of the most memorable characters, I'm sure, when I look back on it after we get to the end. But that's mission accomplished for season four, episode nine, Plan of Descent. So Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels?
2: Sure. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y.
1: What's that flying over here, Robbie? Sounds like you got some fighters in the background there.
2: Yeah, I think it was an F-18.
1: Hot dang. Well, the troops can join us again next time for the 76th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 4, Episode 10, the very, very ominously titled Carnage of Krell. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie. And we are out.
0: Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or any other podcast platform. And Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Robbie at gmail.com.